have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Great job. My name is Christopher, and uh, I come from uh, the Swedish church in uh, Uppsala, actually. It's a little mission team there. It's a couple of students, and it's me, my wife, and uh, Marcus. And uh, I used to be in the ministry uh, for 15 years. Actually, I was baptized in 1989, and uh, I lost faith around 2004 and 5, and I stepped out of the ministry, and uh, God really picked me up from that situation. To be honest, I didn't have the faith to persevere a very tough time in my life at that time and in the church I was in. So I'm so grateful that uh, I can stand here before you. Perhaps I can serve you in any way. And uh, also, uh, I'm so grateful to God. Uh, I feel so blessed in what he has done uh, in my life. Uh, it is my son that who leads this little student group in Uppsala. It's a student city, Uppsala, north of Stockholm. And uh, Ludwig, my second son, he's 20 years old. He's also a Christian. And uh, myself, I uh, work as an entrepreneur. I lead a company of 50 people in the, in the IT space. Also, I have uh, quite a few uh, friends here in the greater London. Uh, some people in Thames Valley, actually, Francois and Agnes, who live here. Agnes is my goddaughter, and I married them last year. So it's really encouraging to be here in Watford, be with you, Malcolm, and uh, just to be able to hang out with you guys today. So thank you so much for that. I've been studying Galatians uh, for like half a year. It, it feels like I almost know, you know, the whole letter by heart. And, you know, when you go deep in the scriptures, sometimes you feel like, wow, it just comes alive before you. So I just want to share a few thoughts that I had from these scriptures that we see behind me here. And um, the topic of the sermon is freedom, of course. And the first point is born to be free. Born to be free. I mean, it's incredible. Just the first verse that, that Paul gives to us here. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, freedom is such a basic need for us humans, right? We, we all want to be free to make, you know, bad choices and hopefully some good choices sometimes, you know. I see some preteens here. You want to be free to dream big, you know, to, to influence your life and to think about how can I make a difference, uh, Older people like Malcolm and myself, we also want to dream big. We also want to think, you know, how are we going to make a difference, you know, uh, in, in our life, even though we're a little bit older than you guys. Little. Freedom is so important, you know. And uh, we know that if you are not free, you realize how important it is. But it's maybe perhaps when you are not free, then you realize I'm willing to fight for this freedom. Uh, because without this freedom, it's, it's almost not worth it. And, uh, of course, it's hard to stand here without mentioning, you know, the, the global unrest we have, uh, the threat for a World War III. I mean, it's just overwhelming to think about what's actually happening really close to us here in Europe, you know. And um, it's, it's also sad to see, you know, man's pride and man's ignorance uh, is at everybody's display. And... Uh, we sit here far from this whole situation and we follow this war in our mobile phones and, you know, we don't know what, what is going to happen and we don't know what to do and we don't know how to, you know, be able to influence this at all. We just can follow day after day, you know, what is happening and pray that God will stop this war. You know, but at times as this, you know, there's also good news. You know, there is a 
situation uh, like you know we have there in Ukraine that calls for great bravery, and people are stepping up. You know, they're stepping up in in uh, things in areas they they wouldn't do otherwise, uh, and and people become united. You know, maybe Europe hasn't been so united for a long time as it is right now to help uh, the Ukraine, and and we have a. A refugee staying actually with us in Uppsala. His name is Oleksi, and he's a brother from Odessa. And of course, you can read what is happening, but just to have him live with us and, and address, you know, all these news uh, that we are reading about with tears and, and uh, you know, feelings, it, it's something totally different. And uh, you can just sense, you know, how serious this is for these people, you know. And we learn also to relate that, that having peace, you know, without freedom, it's really not worth it. You know, you could have like peace in a, in a country where there's a dictator. You cannot influence your future, and there's no free speech, and it's 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 not worth it uh, because the freedom that we want, the political freedom that we want, is a freedom where we can affect our own life. But then that's political freedom. Spiritual freedom is something totally different. You know, spiritual freedom is something that supersedes political freedom. You know, it it. It is something different. You can be spiritually free even though you're in jail. You can be spiritually free even though you're in a you know, situation that, that has a bad government. You can be spiritually free if you have a, you know, a bad church situation even. Uh, not a bad church leader because you don't have a bad church leader, but if you have a bad church, you can even be spiritually free then. If you have uh, not so good parents, you can be spiritually free even then. And that type of freedom supersedes any other type of freedom. And it provides peace to us. And I think that's why Paul says, you know, <clears throat> in order to protect that freedom, stand firm. And, and that's a military term, to stand firm. It it's, means to really, if there is an attack on that freedom, you fight to stand firm. You fight to protect that freedom. And you do whatever it takes. If an attacker is crouching at your border, you fight. And, and we see how the Ukrainian fight, obviously, for the political freedom. But as Christians, sometimes, you know, when other views of God and the biblical view of God is coming into our lives and it's corrupting our view of God, it's time for us also to, to fight a distorted view of God. So we don't feel like what Paul talks about here, that we are under slavery or that we are burdened as Christians. Because if we feel burdened as Christians, something is wrong. We should not feel burdened. We should feel free. And maybe if you're a guest here today, you think, well, Christopher, what are you saying? You know, Christianity and freedom. I mean, I think maybe my association to Christianity is perhaps rules, but maybe not, you know, freedom. But that's exactly what it is. Christ has set us free. So, so you have to go back a little bit to the basics of Christianity. You know, the core at Christianity is something called grace, which comes up in this letter all the time. And grace means a gift. It's a gift that you can receive totally for free, but you... You don't deserve it. You know, we're, you're giving it for free. Say, imagine if you have a car, you know, and then you may need a loan to buy this car. Okay, so you take a loan. And then imagine if you need a house and you need a loan, you know, to buy that house because you need somewhere to live. And imagine you need to go on a trip and you mean to take a loan to go on that trip. And then you have like a lot of loans. And then you start to think about the interest. It's going to go up. This is going to be expensive. And then they think, well, I work a little bit more. And then I can pay off this loan. And then you feel like these things that you bought, they own me. It's not like I owe them. They, they own me. You know, it's like 
Malcolm's car tells Malcolm, you know, okay, Malcolm, bring in the bacon, or you're going to be walking to Thames Valley. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes, you know, overwhelming when you think about all these things and you think about the, the debt. And imagine then there is a friend coming by and then he says, okay, I pay all your debt. I pay it. Boom. I take it away from you. And then uh, you have no debt and you have freedom. Okay, that, that may not happen very soon. <laughs> now, if you translate that, you know, a financial debt into like a, a spiritual debt, and what do I mean by that? Like you have an accumulated guilt, things that you have done that the Bible calls sin, things that you have thought, things that you have said, things that you have, you have done, and you accumulate that, and then that creates also quite a lot of debt in our lives, right? And then what does that debt do to us, you know? that guilt due to us, it, it sometimes turns to shame. You know, we feel ashamed. We feel bad about not just what we did, but also who we are. And that's such a bad place to be in, to feel ashamed, you know. And then Jesus comes by and, and he forgives us of all that shame. And he, he forgives us of all that sin. And then we do not feel guilty and we do not have a debt anymore. That's what grace means. And that could happen now very likely uh, and uh, that is so cool to imagine that that is at the absolute core of christianity is that fantastic grace and i know for myself that when i became a christian in 1989 i was 27 years old and my life was a total mess and i met the church a church you know a little bit bigger than this in stockholm and they asked to study the bible with me and you know i said you know a little bit suspicious yeah okay what is this and had really no you know, faith background or anything like that, but I was so con convicted by the word of Christ, and I was so convicted by the church, how everybody seems to know, you know who Jesus was, and they knew their Bible, and they were so wholehearted, and it was just so inspiring to see all these people, much like you today. You know? And I realized I had a lot of bad things that I had done in my life, and I wanted to get rid of that. And I had a lot of guilt and I felt bad about that and I have not been open about that. So when I was baptized and I was forgiven, I was so, you know, feeling so awesome and so great about that. Now, you know, fast forwarding many years, you know, I can so easily forget how grateful I need to be that I am forgiven because I still carry my flesh. I still carry, you know, some of that sinful nature that, that I hate about myself and realizing that I can be motivated by grace and I can always fall back on that grace and think about that God forgave me and, and that can last forever if I'm willing to walk openly and I'm willing to repent and what an awesome feeling to be able to be free like that and not to feel burdened or not to feel like I have this burden of slavery. Uh, so we are born to be free and it's so obvious you know when we talk about political freedom but let's think about how Awesome it is also when we talk about spiritual freedom. We're born to be free. The next point is circumcise your circumstances. Circumcise your circumstances, you know. I mean, if you look at this wording here, you know, in Galatians 5.2, Paul says, mark my words. I mean, that's strong language right there. I don't know. When did you hear Mar Malcolm say, mark my words, walk for church? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen that often. You know, maybe sometimes, you know, he needs to say that. I don't know. But uh, I, I can just not imagine him. He has to go up there and mark my words. Maybe about Watford Football Club, you know. 
unless you repent, you're going to just be kicked out of Premier League and I'm not going to go and watch football anymore. Okay, I can, well, maybe not from the pulpit, but I can, yeah, maybe you can say that. And, and where does that come from? I mean, if you look at the text, it seems like he's talking about we can actually fall away from grace. We could, we could be alienated. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Alienated from Christ. And of course, that's, that's scary stuff, you know, to fall away from grace. And, and, and then we think, okay, fall away from grace. How, how is that even possible? You know, does, does that mean that when I have sinned one too many times, is that when I've fallen away from grace? Because I know for myself, then I will be in deep trouble. No, that's not what Paul means. No, Paul says that that happens, you know, when you, um, when you, when you, when you think that what you do for Jesus justify your righteousness, you know, that your deeds are so important that that they make you righteous instead of what actually Jesus did for you. And here's a provoking thought, you know. It is not your sin that alienates you from Christ. It is your self-reliance. It is not your sin that alienates you from Christ. It's your self-reliance. How does that sit with you? Does that make you, like, uncomfortable? Or does that make you relieved? Oh, thank you, God. In spite of all that thing, sin, things... I, I thought of things I said or things I did. I can still be close to Christ because I am forgiven and I can walk in the light. This has also been always been a struggle for me. You know how I have been trying to be justified by my own, my own accomplishments. When I was in the ministry in the church and even now, you know, being in leadership and always trying to justify, you know, good things happening back to. My own accomplishments. And, and that really is very dangerous because it turns my focus away from God and towards men, including myself, you know. And I compare myself to other. I compete myself to other people. And that usually takes me to a really bad place. And it doesn't make me a great friend either, you know. If you have a friend that always want to compete with you, always want to win, and it's obsessed by winning, you know, that's, that's not the friend that you want to have, really. And uh, also, a safe way to be really unhappy is to compare yourself with other people, you know. <laughs> you know, they are better looking than you, and they are younger than you, and they have more money than you, and drive a nicer car than you, and have a better church building than yours, and they definitely sing better than, you know, it's like... <laughs> We're going to go there, we're going to all be depressed, you know. So focus on men, you know, and then we focus on ourselves and, you know, and we fail and we have all these expectations, you know, our own expectations perhaps and other people's expectations and we never meet them and we're always failing and then we are a failure. So, you know, the things that we do wrong then kind of define us and then we are wrong and we are bad and we are lousy and, you know, it's also on the route to a bad place. And that's what that type of justification does, you know, when we start to justify why were we here to church? Why do we go to church today? You know, is it because I am supposed to go here? Is it because that otherwise Malcolm will call me afterwards? Or why are we justified? Why, how, do we, how do we justify everything that we do? You know, it's an interesting thought experiment, isn't it? 
You know, two deeds of love can look exactly the same, but have entirely different drivers. You know, one originates from looking good, and that's my pitfall. And the other one originates from gratitude, from the grace God has given me every day. Which one do you think will last and be sustainable? And I know for myself, you know, this, is, this messes with, with my motivation when I focus on men instead of God. It messes me with my sustainable, you know, relationship with God and to be sustainable, joyful, and sustainable, have peace. And, and I get that burden instead. And then when we come to the Galatians specifically and what Paul is doing here, you know, he's talking to the circumcised group and he's also talking to the Gentiles who is about to be recruited over to the circumcised group. And it's not like the circumcised group, and they are the Jews, you know, didn't believe in grace, but, but they believed that we needed to add things to grace in order to be right with God. Uh, the things that I'm talking about is the laws in Torah and the mosaic, you know, rituals and all that stuff, because they were Jews and they were brought up like this. And there was a lot of security in all these rules and trying to follow them. And that was their tradition. And that's how their relationship with God started. And perhaps you can't really blame them for falling back to that when maybe there was disappointments in the church or stuff like that. And maybe it seems so easy just to have faith in Jesus in order to be saved. And, you know, you're not supposed to do anything before you're saved. And I can see all that. But why Paul used such a strong language is that you need to deal with that wrong picture of God. It's distorted. You can't justify following the law in order to be righteous with God. It has to be based on faith. But number two, you cannot persuade these Gentiles who have been accepted by Jesus through their faith to be righteous with God. To become like you and Jewish. And if you think about it, it sounded like a really bad deal. You know, okay, first of all, you painfully get rid of your foreskin. You know, that circumcision of your foreskin. Maybe the preaching doesn't understand what that is. Maybe we don't need to go into that. But that's like painful. I can only imagine. And I don't understand that. I need to talk to God, you know, when I meet him about that whole thing. Uh, I don't get it. Maybe Malcolm can explain what, what, what's up with that. But okay, so that's number one. As a Gentile, you know, you have to yeah, bring in the knives and let's do this thing, you know, so you can be right with God. That's just so stupid. Who would actually think that's a great thing? Then you need to check on the 613 boxes of rules that you have in Torah in order to fulfill the law of God. 613 rules that you need to, you know, do in order to please God. What's up with that? You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, making the bed in the morning, you know. So that's just yes, one thing, you know. It's like 613 of those rules, no. And then you can't eat Swedish meatballs. <laughs> I know. That's all, such a bad deal. That's, that's like one of those deals that come out of the back of the van or something, you know. <laughs> so there's nothing to gain. Okay, so there's some context. I, I, I hear you. you know, what, what's up with this? You know? but, but this is the context. You know, Jews were actually exempt by the Romans to testify you know, that Caesar was king. So this was a, quite a nice thing, you know, because they had like a waiver on the persecution. You know, when the Romans said, you know, who's your king? 
And people who didn't say, you know, Jesus, they were, you know, seriously, you know, punished for that. They could all, almost die for that. They actually could die for that. But the Jewish Christians were like exempt for that. So that was nice. If you were a Gentile Christian, you were obviously not exempt for that. So, you know, that was a threat on your life. And also, I think, you know, the Jews, if you imagine them being brought up with the Old Testament, learning scriptures by heart, you know, they had Sunday school and maybe great training in character. Maybe they were like a little bit superior. You know, maybe they had the leadership roles in the church and all that stuff. So perhaps the Gentiles who came in and, you know, they had, you know, Dionysos as, you know, the wine god as, the, you know, their idol or whatever. Perhaps they saw that as something that they also wanted to become. And then, you know, it made more sense that that could be a nice offer, actually, to become a, like a Jewish Christian. So many were tempted to, to jump into that. But of course, that's such a bad idea from a theological view, as we talked about, you know, because it will, it will foster us to be self-reliant. And also it will, you know, lead us into trusting outward signs like the circumcision, you know, uh, instead of, you know, trusting God-given grace. And I think talking about the outward science, you know, I think this is something that we all struggle with today. You know, the world tell us to be perfect. You know, the world tell us to be talented and the world tell us to be beautiful and the world tell us to be social and to be creative and to be wealthy. And in order for you to be respected, in order for you to be found worthy, in order for you to be popular, you know, on, on social media and all that stuff, in order for you to have great friends and to be part of the good, you know, groups in, in school and stuff. Yeah, in order to have hope sometimes, you know, we can even lose hope because we don't live up to the expectations of the world. And uh, I can always speak for myself, but this is also another struggle I have, you know, to be that person who is always popular in, in the world's eyes, you know. And I was saved from, you know, in Peter's words, this corrupt, this corrupt generation, including myself. And uh, I still need to be remembering that. I need to be saving myself from that corruption uh, that you know sometimes lives in me and in other people around me you know circumcise your circumstances you know that that makes it cloudy what is real value to you lastly you know it's really interesting paul talks about for through the spirit we eagerly wait await by faith the righteousness for which we hope eagerly await doesn't that sound like a contradiction to you? How does that look like? Eagerly await. How can you eagerly await for something? How can you eagerly wait for the bus? You know, what does he want us to do? Come three hours early or? And then, you know, when we stand there in line, it's only us because nobody else comes three hours early. What are we supposed to do? Like, like, like jump like this and here comes the bus, you know? We were waiting for bus 205 yesterday in London. It never came, you know, and... We were not jumping. We were just a little bit, you know, where's the bus? <laughs> we were not like eagerly waiting as Paul talks about here. And then we read the next, you know, ver you know, you know, sentence here. And he says, all that matters is love. Hello, Paul. So are we supposed to wait or are we supposed to love? And, and just to be sure, you know, what does love look like? Well, that is to care for those in need, uh, you know, to reach out to those who even hate you or, you know, putting other needs before yourself. And, you know, so that's love. So that's a little bit uncomfortable. And then we have wait. And perhaps we can watch Netflix while we're waiting. I'm not sure, but, you know, shouldn't harm. So how many would like to wait and how many would like to love? Well, I go for 
the church of waiting. <laughs> you know, that sounds so comfortable. You know, we'd be the church of waiters, you know, going out to the restaurants. and No, but it's not a contradiction. You know, what Paul talks about here is that, you know, when it comes to being righteous in order to make it to heaven, you know, if we try it on our own, okay, so forget that. We can't do it. Uh, if we think we can, you know, we have fallen away from grace. Uh, because you have shown that you don't need God and you don't need his grace. So that's what he means by eagerly wait, eagerly wait for that hope, eagerly wait for Jesus to meet your needs and to make you safe and make you feel non-guilty and free and all that stuff. That same faith we should use to express, to love one another. I mean, whoever we are, you know, if we are circumcised or not, Irish or English, Brexit or European, whatever we are, you know, Man United or Liverpool fan, God forbid, but, you know, whoever <laughs> we are, you know, we should, we should love one another. But it's the order that is important. It's to be able to stand there, you know, waiting for the bus and looking forward to Jesus serving us and helping us and be meeting our needs, having that anticipation, you know, here on this side of death and on the other side of death, to love one another. And such a power in that anticipation. Then we want to love God back and we want to love people in need and we want to show, you know, who, how awesome God is, you know. So let's, uh, let's remember, you know, we're born to be free, uh, born to dream, born to think about how can I influence my life. We're born to be free and born again to be free, of course, spiritually. Let's uh, circumcise our circumstances, not the foreskin, you know, but the circumstances. Just get rid of everything that distracts us from looking at what is real value, which is Jesus, obviously. And thirdly, let's eagerly await and eagerly love. Guys, it's been great being with you. Thank you for just embracing me. I felt so welcomed and uh, looking forward to see you guys in Uppsala. <laughs> Help us there. Awesome. Thank you so much.